You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're going to dive into uh, part two of a series entitled Armor. Everybody say Armor. And uh, of course, we're talking about the armor of God uh, in Ephesians chapter six and uh, looking at what does that mean? How do we apply that in our lives? Let's pick up in Luke chapter 11, verse 21, and we're going to gain a principle here that we must look at here. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. And that makes plenty of sense there. When a strong man... Fully armed, you could also add into that, it's assumed, and armored. He's alert, he's active, he's in position. Then his goods, his life, his family, his things are going to be in peace. Literally, that they would be safe and secure. Now, how many of you want to be safe and secure? And I'm talking about in every sense, in every realm, every arena of our life, that we would be that way. Well, this, in, this involves that you be strong. Uh, the, spirit, the, the Bible talks about in Proverbs in 1814, I believe it is in the Amplified Bible. It says the strong spirit of a man sustains him. So the strong spirit of a man that sustains him in times of sickness, uh, but a broken and wounded spirit who can help, who can bear or raise up. And so we've got to have some strength. And we looked a little bit uh, about that last week. And it's not just strength that we muster up, it's strength that God gives us. But when we're strong, fully armed, armored, active, alert, in position, then we can expect then, as scripture says, that our goods would be in peace. Life and blessing are not without struggle. Life and blessing are not without struggle. Um, You have an enemy. Come on, you have an enemy. Beyond... The regular crisis, the cycle of crisis and process that would occur in our lives. We've talked a lot about that. How many of you know that just part of living this life, there's crisis and process. And beyond that, then you have an enemy. And that enemy seeks to steal, kill, destroy, interrupt, hold back, discourage all of those things that he does. And so what do we do about that? In Ephesians chapter six, and this will be on the screens for you here. Beginning in verse 10, it says, finally, my brethren. So these are people in covenant, in family with God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you say, that's me, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We spent a little bit of time on that last week. Therefore, because of all of that, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to what? To stand. Verse 14, this is where we're going to... uh, Focus in today. It says, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, what God has given us, and we read it in this passage, because life and blessing are not without struggle, because we do have an enemy, in addition to having crisis and process in our life, we are overcomers. Don't don't fail to see that. And you have your choice. You can overcome or you can be overcome. I like to overcome rather than to be overcome. 
And I don't care if you are a believer and your name is written in heaven and you're headed there and you've got three Bibles and they all have your name on them. Uh, the reality is you're going to have to use, you're going to have to appropriate some things. You're going to have to, as I shared earlier during the offering message, you're going to have to trust and obey God, you know, for you to live and to walk in this victory. So God gives us what we need for the victory. He gives us, and we just read it in this passage. He gives us strength. Everybody say strength. And he also gives us armor, say armor. So we have strength and we have armor And the result of that is we are able to stand. We're able to stand. The word stand there has the idea to remain intact, to remain intact. Well, this goes beyond just survival mentality. It's not just that God gives us, think about this. God gives us strength and armor just so we can barely make it. God gives us strength and armor so we can somehow manage to just continue to exist. No, this is about victory. This is about winning in life. Ultimately, the war is won. You do know that. Uh, Ultimately, the war is won, but there's a timeline that's still to be played out. As long as we're still in the earth and uh, the devil still has time left on his lease. Okay. We know the final outcome. We know the final victory. We know that ultimately the war is won. But we still have on a day-to-day basis, uh, as we go through this life, we still have these battles. We still have these skirmishes. We still have to wrestle and tussle with the enemy. Amen. Amen. Now, what happens though is this God-given strength and God-given armor, that's what helps us. So this is vital to us that we understand and appropriate in our lives God's strength and God's armor in our life so that we can have that victory. Now you can ignore that if you want and you can just, you know, come and go from church and just do your stuff. And you know, everything's going pretty decent for me. I'm telling you what, you need the strength of God. You need the armor of God, uh, because don't get lulled into one of, one of the schemes of the devil, get lulled into the idea that everything's fine. You don't have to be alert. I did a message years ago called the morning after, after battle. In the morning after battle, you tend to be a little more relaxed because you're thinking, well, that's over. Glad we won, you know, and what you've got to do, you've got to be very, very careful that you stay alert because sometimes one of the tricks of the enemy is when you are in that lull, when you're feeling like "Ah, everything's okay, you know, that's when you need to make sure your armor is still on. Well, when do we ever get to rest? Heaven. Heaven, and in the meantime, God gives us the strength that we need and the armor that we need. Now, this armor that we talk about, it's not literal. And it's not fantasy either. Years ago, um, I was on the phone with a friend of mine. And I said, what are you doing, man? He said, I'm just shining, shining my armor. I said, you're what? We have the kind of relationship I could... You know, just, you're doing what? I'm shining my armor. I said, how do you do that? I'm just sitting here, I'm thinking about if I had a helmet and if I'm just kind of shining it. I said, is that helping? (laughs) And as his life went over the next few years, you can daydream about shining your armor and get your tail whipped. Okay. 
And so it's not this fantastical fantasy, romanticizing this, this armor kind of thing. And it's not a literal armor. It's symbolic. These are metaphors that help us to understand and apply some things. To understand and apply some actions, behaviors, virtues, and frames of mind. Actions, behaviors, virtues, principles, and a frame of mind or attitudes that you've got to have. Now, every piece of armor, and we'll talk about this more in the weeks to come, every piece of armor mirrors some aspect of your identity in, in Christ. There's some spiritual truth that belongs to you because you belong to Jesus. That the armor kind of mirrors, symbolizes for us. Now, in verse 14, we saw here, and I'm going to read just the, the A portion, the verse, uh, uh, first portion of the verse. It says this in the New King James. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Girded your waist with truth. In the Amplified Bible, it says, stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins. In today's English version, it says, so stand ready with truth as a belt tight around your waist. So I want you to get the idea of a, of a belt. And this is probably, uh, fits better in our understanding in our vernacular. This is, this is a, a belt, so to speak. With the idea of gird yourself, we don't really talk about that except a girdle, and we don't talk about that either. Uh, <clears throat> but the idea of something coming around us here, and it is to have uh, uh, some tightness to it. It actually has to do with to prepare yourself for action, to prepare yourself for vigorous activity. The children of Israel were in bondage to Egypt. And they were about to be delivered. You read it in the the book of Exodus. They're about to be delivered and they received instructions from the Lord that they were to eat the Passover meal. And while they were to eat the Passover meal, they were to have their waist girded or belted because as the death angel were to pass over them, their journey was about to begin. They were to stay ready to go, ready to go. And so that whole idea of, of girding yourself. It also is a matter of pulling in the loose ends uh, of your life. How many of you have a few loose ends? The rest of you are got it together. We're going to book you for Oprah, okay? Then you can tell the country how you got that all together. But um, we have like loose ends and it, it holds the idea if I'm going to be ready for action. If I'm, I'm about to have to go into action, I'm going to have to deal with some things. Then I've got to get all of that kind of bound together. It also historically included the idea of gathering one's tunic. It was kind of a, a, a flowing outer garment kind of thing. And if you weren't careful, it could restrict your outer movement. I, I was reminded of the other day, our flag football team from the academy... It's our fourth through sixth graders. Incidentally, they are seven and oh, they are un, undefeated, our guys. Yeah. Um, but what happens, and I've noticed it less with our team and a little more with some of the other teams. They have this belt with flags. Now, when I played flag, you had one on both sides. Now they got one in the back too. Uh, it's like, let me yank your tail there or something. But, 
But some of the other teams, and after you're playing a little bit, their jerseys, which are big on just about all of those boys, those jerseys will come out over that belt and kind of cover their flags. And every now and then there's a timeout. You know, we got to get it all tucked in. But how many of you know we got to get it all tucked in sometime? Okay, and so this whole idea of pulling these loose ends together. Now, I want to show you a picture of uh, the armor here. And this is the, the belt here is a wide leather belt with bronze plates that protect the groin area, representing vulnerability and, and reproduction here. It also supports the sword. That's where the sword is, is held. And it's worn at all times, uh, even when the other pieces are not there. So not only, and leave that picture there for a moment, not only, and as we'll see in future weeks, it helps to hold the rest of the armor together. It also helps you to, to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. And, and mentally, it's First uh, Peter talked about gird up the loins of your mind. It's, it's, you've got to think right and get ready for action. And so it has the idea of wrapping around, but also the protective value of the plates that would hang down that would protect you in a vulnerable area that also had to do, and this is symbolic too, of reproduction as well. Now that guy looks tough, doesn't he? Come on, that guy looks tough, doesn't he? Let me show you a guy who really looks tough. Show him the next one here. There you go. That's little Elliot Taylor there. So, all right. Thank you very much. Now, the belt of truth has to do with two things here. And let me, first of all, put this up for you. Truth. Everybody say truth. That's what this is. This belt is actually truth. It also means truthfulness. So it's truth and truthfulness. It is first of all, accepting God's truth. If you're going to put this on now, listen, we don't, again, we don't want to have just these terms out there. We've got to find some way to apply this to our life. How do we make this real deal in our life? How can I spiritually put on this belt of truth? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to accept the truth of God. The God is who he says he is. Anybody here at church? The God is who he says he is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. You've got to accept and embrace the truth about God. Secondly... You've got to embrace the truth of God's word. In John 8, 32, and we've got scripture for this. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now listen to me. Truth does not make you free. It's the truth that you know that makes you free. And that word know has to do with personally, intimately, experientially. Then in John 17, 17, Jesus said this. He said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Read that last part with me. Your word is truth. And so the second part of this is God's word. So if we're going to have the belt of truth, you'd better believe and accept his truth that God is God. Come on. That Jesus is who he says he is and did what he did, what he said he did. And he's able to do what he promised that he could do. Come on. You, you better believe that if, if you want to win, 
If you, if you want to be girded up and ready for action, ready, ready for battle, then you're going to have to, first of all, shake yourself and stop thinking, well, this problem and that problem. And I heard this on the news. How big is your God? You know, you should, you should never allow anything to be uh, any problem to be bigger in your life than your God is. Our God is awesome. You've got to realize he's, he's the alpha, the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's eternal to eternal. Nobody brought him in. Nobody will take him out. He's not up for reelection. He's not having to pander to a crowd and somehow, you know, try to please everybody. He is God. There's no other God. He declares the end from the beginning. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all those things. And I'll tell you what, you'll start to feel like I'm ready for something. When you start to gird yourself with the reality that God is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then the reality of his word, that every bit of his word is true. It's true. I said it's true. And for every problem you would have, that word contains a promise, either directly or by principle. And if he said it, he'll do it. He watches over his word to perform it. And we declare this a lot. His name is above every name that is named. And yet he has exalted his word even above his name. And part of us having on this belt of truth is to embrace and accept the truth of God and the truth of his word. But this also means truthfulness. Excuse me. Truthfulness. And this is on our part. Everybody say my part. You know, you can believe all you want and it will help you to believe what I just shared with you about God and more and about his word and more. But you know what? It's got to have some kind of working in your life or you are not equipped for battle. This truthfulness has to do with sincerity of heart. It has to do with no hypocrisy in your life. No duplicity in your life, that you are authentic, that there's integrity about your life. And integrity is not just telling the truth. Integrity has to do with vital things are integrated into your life and it brings you to a place of wholeness. I won't get into all of this right now, but in Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter two, I believe it is Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about some big statue and, uh, It has to do with nations. It has to do with great tribulation. Um, And again, for our purposes this morning, we're not going to venture into all of that this morning. But he couldn't find anybody to tell him what it meant. Daniel, by the Holy Spirit, knew what it meant. And Daniel was able to come and interpret that dream. And and this huge, incredible statue was made up of different uh, metals and different things. But the feet of it, everybody say the feet. I mean, feet are important. The feet, the foundation of this were made of iron and clay, iron and clay. And it's very, very symbolic because the iron is strong. The iron is heavy. And you'd think that would be a good foundation, but it's mixed with clay. Now you can bake clay and form clay and paint clay, and it can have an appearance of being strong and heavy like the iron. But it is not. The other thing is the iron and the clay will not bond together. And so the actual feet of that statue, which would represent how fragile that kingdom would be, 
and how it would fall is because it is not built on purity. It is not built on truth. And your life cannot be a mix of iron and clay. Your, your life can't be a mix of authentic and fake. Amen. You know, and you know, it, it can't be put on in that way and inside and outside. And so again, this truthfulness, this integrity, uh, sincerity of heart and without duplicity. Now, when we accept God's truth of God and his word, and then we choose to follow it. Well, I really wrote sloppy this morning, but I was writing fast. We choose to follow, we choose to live it. Everybody say live it. Then the power of this truth has an outflowing in the life of the believer. And to me, it's almost like this is the belt, the truth of God and his word. But this is the buckle. This is actually fastening this thing on because you could carry that thing around you. Yeah, I believe God. I believe his word. Every bit of it's true. Every promise in the book is mine. And to be a liar and be a fake and be a cheat. And pretend and, and do all those kind of things. And you never get that thing fastened on there. And so it also, if we're going to have this, we're going to have to get the duplicity out of our life. And make sure that we have truthfulness in our life. If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. Now, I mentioned authenticity and integrity. That actually means that what you see is real. What you see is real. It's a genuine article. I, I forgot to bring them this morning, but I have... About three, four watches that I bought in Chinatown in New York. They're real. They're real watches. They're not genuine. And they've got the names on them, Rolex. I've got three or four different ones. They're beautiful too. But please don't get too close to them. One of them I actually took to the mall to have some links taken out of the the band. And it's so light, they just kind of looked at me. It's like somebody stole your watch out of your watch. And you know what that is? It's not genuine. That's not genuine. We had friends years ago that they said, hey, we think we might have a great deal on a Steinway piano. And they told me how much they were going to pay. And I said, you better read on it. It may say Steinway. You know, and because it's not authentic, it's not genuine. And what we have to be is authentic and genuine. Can can I tell you something? You need to be you. You just need to be you full of God and full of his truth. Let me read you something in in first Samuel 17. Let me set it up for you first. There's a big giant named Goliath. I heard Shaq. Who said that? (laughs) Okay. A big giant named Goliath. The army of Israel hiding out behind the rocks, behind the trees, in the little foxholes and everything. Shepherd boy, who? David shows up. And uh, finally he says, you know, I can take this guy. So now we pick up here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 38. And 39, I'm reading from um, today's English version. And King Saul said he gave his own armor to David for him to wear. Armor. 
a bronze helmet, which he put on David's head, and a coat of armor. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and tried to walk. But he couldn't because he wasn't used to wearing them. I can't fight with all this, he said to Saul. I'm not used to it. So he, so he took it all off. And then add this to the, the whole thing. Historians believe because of David's age and ethnicity that he was probably five foot to five foot two inches tall. We read in 1 Samuel 9, 2 that it says Kish, the father, his son Saul, who was this king who's now loaning his armor to David. Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. The Amplified Bible says a head taller than any of the people. And so here you have the tallest guy in the land saying, hey, kid, wear my armor. And here's the reality of this. David said, I I can't walk in this. I can't even walk in this, let alone fight in this. And this brings us around to this. Wearing somebody else's armor or trying to. Trying to wear somebody else's armor is a liability. It's a hindrance and it could actually cause you to get beat. Look at me, listen to me. You just need to be you. Full of God. Your personality. Your gift set, your skill. You don't have to be somebody else. You know, in the ministry, so many people try to be whoever the top dog is at the moment. You know, Paul told Timothy, and this liberated me years ago. Paul told young Timothy, he said, fulfill your ministry. Just fulfill your ministry. Just go be you. Go do what I told you to do. You just be you. And I want to release you this morning. You just be you with your skill sets, with your gifts, with your personality. And you say, but I'm weird. Well, the truth will help you. But you just have to be you. You don't have to be anybody else. And that is also part of this. You can't go into battle pretending to be something that you're not. Further. Let me back up on this. Plus one of the schemes of the enemy all your life and previous generations in your life. Is trying to tell you you're no good. You can't do anything. You could never go there. You can never be that. You can never have that. You can't do that. Constantly has tried to work against you, work against you, work against you. That's one of his schemes. And so what we do is we try to put on somebody else's armor. We try to look like somebody else. We try to act like somebody else. We try to approach something the way somebody else would. And what we need to do is embrace the truth of God, the truth of his word. And part of this truthfulness is just being you. Be you. But be you full of God and be you full of truth. And you're going to have much better, much better outcome in battle. Now, this whole idea of truth is a major theme in the book of Ephesians. And let me remind you, Ephesians is the book where we're reading about the armor here. And in Ephesians 4.25, stay with me now. Y'all out there? Ephesians 4.25, it says, therefore, put away, huh? Line, which would be the opposite of this. Am I correct? Come on, put away line. Who's he writing to? He's writing to us. He's writing to the church. Put away line. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. 
So he's saying, put away lying. If you were to read verse 22, you would see that that's a characteristic of the, quote, old man. It's the former way of living. If you're a believer now, do I have any believers here today? Well, most of you. Come on, do I have any believers here today? As a believer then, you're to put off the former way of living. You're a new man, you're a new person. You put off that old, you put on the new. And he says, and part of that is that you've got to speak truth to your neighbor. In Colossians 3, verse 8 through 10, again, this is Paul writing. He said, but now you yourselves are to put off, everybody say put off, put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off, there it is again, you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on, everybody say put on, you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 through 24. It says that you put off, say it again, put off. Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you help me and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now this put it in a way line actually has to do with this conscious, intentional falsehood, conscious, intentional falsehood. And he's talking to believers. Then we got to stop lying. You know, sometimes I hate going to pastor's conferences. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, we got 10 million people in our church. Five angels showed up. They drove me here. You know, it just, it just gets whack. It just gets crazy. And you say, lying doesn't happen among believers. Come on, think about your life here. And it's not just that you're lying or whatever. It's not always that you're lying to get your way. Sometimes it's lying to put on some kind of armor that you don't have on. So I'll appear like I have this armor on or whatever it would be. But here's here's what this is talking about. I had you repeat it for me. There's a, a process of putting off and putting on. You're to put off lying and pretense and falsehood. And you're to put on truth. And that phrase put off and put on actually has to do with to take off or strip away like you would undress like a garment that you would take off y'all with me nod your head do something you got to take that off you know why it's smelly it doesn't look good on you it doesn't fit you right you look odd wearing that thing so take it off it's like the abraham lincoln geico commercial have y'all seen that one Anyway, we won't go into all that right now, but. And then you're to put on. And that also is a phrase that has to do with dressing. That you sink into a garment that you put on. When I put on this jacket, I kind of sunk into the garment. But you've got to put off so you can put on. You've got to put off so you can put on. I remember I was working at a gas station in high school and college. And how many of you have ever smelled Gojo? You clean your hands with that and it cuts the grease and everything. Well, you can't get the smell off of that. That's two, three days. That's in you. I had a date this night. 
Plus, I've been changing oil and pumping gas and scrubbing off love bugs and, and doing all this kind of stuff. And, and I've got like a 20-minute turnaround. And, you know, just in my mind, and I, I wouldn't do this, but just in my mind, I thought, I wish I just had some clothes I could put on over these. Because I was greasy and sweaty and smelly and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? Some people are thinking that will somehow work. That I can still wear this grimy old thing and not take it off and then put on something new over it and there I am. No, that's not authentic. That's not real. That's truthfulness. That's not truthfulness. You're going to have to strip away these things. And Paul said you could do it. He wouldn't tell you to do something that you couldn't do. Amen. You know, I, I wouldn't tell my 10-year-old, hey, listen... I need you to catch a flight to Albuquerque and do this and do that. You know, I wouldn't ask him to do something beyond the realm of what he could do. God doesn't ask you to do something beyond the realm of what you can do. He said, just cut it out. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to other people. Take off that garment and put on the garment of truth. Now listen to this in Ephesians 4, 25. And I'm about to wrap this up. And the Amplified Bible says, therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done now with it. Let everyone express truth with his neighbor. We're all parts of one another, members of one another. And the message Bible says, what this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. After all, when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. And see, sometimes in the body of Christ... And I'm not saying you got to tell everybody your whole gory story. We don't want it to be about that. But we've actually given you a phrase that helps deliberate you because a lot of people lie when they come to church because they how you doing, man? Great. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Couldn't be better. If I was anybody else, I'd be jealous. I'm so blessed. I think there's three of me. And you get a half mile down the road, you're crying and yelling and, you know, every, everything else. We've given you this little phrase, I'm either up or I'm getting up. I'm either up or I'm getting up. You know what? Sometimes it's okay to say, you know what? I'm getting up. Would you pray for me? You know, and sometimes people going through the door, I go, how you doing? Glad you came today. How you doing today? And they go, you know what? I'm, I'm getting up. Because that's the only two things we do. We, we're either up or we're getting up. You don't stay down. Amen. But you know, we don't have to plaster on fake smiles. You don't have to act like you got some kind of armor that you really don't have. And you know what? Part of that truthfulness, you know, and put it all together, put it all together that you embrace and you put on the belt part, truth of God, the truth of his word. And then the buckle part that there's actually not only the power of God's truth and God's word, but you, the outliving of that in the life of the believer that you buckle that on in your life. Let me read you a verse that I think will help us to sum this up in Ephesians four fifteen, in the Amplified Bible. It says, rather, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things. Watch this carefully. In all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, enfolding in love. Let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head, even Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Do you see that? Speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. I read on Twitter, Pastor Brady Boyd, he pastors New Life Church out in Colorado Springs. And on Twitter, you just got to put a little message, you know, it's less than what, 140 characters, something like that. 
And it would take more words to explain what it was. But he said this. He took his son to the movie. And somebody dropped a $5 bill. And without having to tell his son. His son picked up the $5 bill. And ran and tracked down the lady. And gave it to her. And he says, I was so blessed and so proud. You know what that's called? Living truly. Dealing truly. Hey, stop trying to take advantage of folks. When you know you have the favor of God with you, you don't have to take advantage of folks. You're blessed to be a blessing. Speak truth to people. Speaking truly. Dealing truly. Living truly. And with all your heart, believing the truth of God and his word. And the result of that is, is you're going to put on this belt of truth. You're going to buckle it because you're actually applying it in your life, choosing to live it. One last thought. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And if you want his involvement, could I see your hands? If you want his involvement and if you want his intervention in your life, if you want that in your life, then I think we also need to speak truly, deal truly, live truly. And we're going to find also the confidence that that brings. You're going to be able to face the enemy without any fear as you have on the belt of truth. Do you get anything at all out of this this morning? All right. Good deal.